Konnichiwa. And hey, y'all. I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. And welcome to Sumo, sumo Kaboom, where we talk about all things sumo. That's right. And today, we are talking about the last week of the March Basho 2020. A very exciting week it's been. Mm-hmm. But first, news flash. Okay, so I am only going to give you some questions that will be answered later because I don't want to give you all the news up top because then it's just spoilers. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So I'm just going to ask a few questions. All right. So one of these is, will Asanoyama get Ozeki promotion? Ooh, I don't know. I I don't know. Actually, I do know, but I won't tell you until later. (laughs) Will this be Hakaho's last tournament? I don't know. Is the popularity of sumo reliant on the Olympic Games this summer. Oh my gosh. I am on the edge of my seat and I cannot wait for these answers. You're going to have to sit on the edge of your seat for just a little while longer. Like a long time. All right. Shall we get to my favorite part? It's the part I do. Yes. (laughs) Let's do your favorite part of this first. All right. I always like to talk about a, a little bit about the history of something in the sumo world. And so I thought as people may have started watching sumo, they might be kind of confused about, well, there's the wrestlers wrestling, but then what is all this other ceremony? And we have discussed it before. It's the doyo iri, which is the ceremonial ritualistic entering of the ring by all the wrestlers. That's right. Um, I just wanted to break down exactly how it goes. So basically, the East wrestlers come in, they parade around, they uh, all get into the ring in the doyo, and they lift up their arms, they, they give a little whoosh to their apron, which is their keshomawashi, and then they clap and then they move on. It's something kind of like that. But basically what it is, it's just... That was actually a really good description. Oh, thanks. Uh, It's basically just telling people, look, I got no... No weapons under these armpits. I can hide nothing under my apron. I'm coming here just to fight, just me. And then they get away bad spirits. That's kind of the gist of what they're they're doing at the beginning. So okay. that's the doyo itty and, with all the wrestlers. And if someone is not familiar with sumo, these are very fancy aprons. Like you oh, use yeah. the term apron like it's just a kitchen apron. No, no, no. These yeah. are very expensive. These are between five and ten thousand dollars each and that's because they're heavily embroidered and they're made of silk you're usually given them by perhaps a patron of Uh you personally but you don't just come across these in your average store (laughs) these are not your 1950s american kitchen aprons no and lots of times embroidered on them are the sponsors the people who particularly like one wrestler and so they'll give them a keshimawashi and that will have maybe their company logo on it or something that the wrestler likes or anime or something okay Kasino Sato has three aprons in which okay. he owns and he gives his two assistants during his doyo itty and they all look like they had Thor inspired really? imagery <gasps> I think it's another, in the museum a another sumo. man I love mm-hmm I was watching some Kiseno Sato uh, retirement entering into the Sumo Museum footage in Japanese. But what I could kind of come up with as they were talking about some of his Keshimawashis. Okay, the Yokozunas, though, after that, they have their own ring entering ceremony. They wear their large white belt called a Tsuna, T-S-U-N-A, and they'll do a series of movements. And each dance, essentially, it's kind of a dance. It's not like a ballet or a waltz. It's a series of movements that somewhat, they look somewhat balletic in some ways. Each ritual is dictated by a style of the belt that they have chosen. There are two styles. There are, I think, maybe a couple more, but there's two main ones of these belts and that's indicates what type of yokozuna ritual dance that they will do and if you look at hakaho's tsuna the big white belt he has two loops in the back okay and that's different from yokozuna kakaru's he has one circle and then one little tiny loop in between it and if you huh. watch them they come out and they do these ritualistic dances and they're sort of they're similar, they're but not similar, the same. They're similar, but but they're slightly varied in in the order that they're done. 
and their arms up. And there's a couple of wafty wafties, but I'm not describing this well. Anyway. This is one thing that actually I'm really curious about and that I want to spend more time researching is exactly what the movements are that they're doing and what they represent. Yeah. I'm willing to bet most of them are getting rid of whatever bad spirits or bad juju that's in the ring. That's pretty much what it is. Okay. But the double loop style is called the Shiranui or S-H-I-R-A-N-U-I style. And both arms are stretched out and it's considered kind of an attacking style in this ritualistic dance. Uh, the men with a single loop, like Kakaru, have the Unru style, which contains both offensive and defensive elements. That's from the Japan Times. You also may watch these and go, who are these two guys that are also in the ring when the Yokozuna is doing his little dance? Those two guys have names. The Tachimochi, who is the sword bearer, and the Suyuharai. I think and I said that right, but not quite sure. He's the dew sweeper. D-E-W, like as in the morning dew, the dew sweeper. Not the D-O sweeper, like dew no. sweeper. Do sweep right here, right now. No, it's the do. And these are the these are the two guys that come out with the yokozuna, and then they squat down and they stay squatted down. Yeah, in that while the crazy, yokozuna. I don't know how they balance like that. If you asked me to sit like that, yeah, it's actually, unaided. It would I'd fall over. <laughs> we do that in yoga class, and it's really difficult to maintain. You got to have a lot of core strength, and oh. your legs have to be really strong too. Yeah. Well, they're usually in the Sanyaku levels. Which one's the higher one? I believe the sword bearer is the higher ranked of the two. And then the, the dew sweeper is like lesser, but still very high ranked. They definitely have to be in the top division. By the way, Yokozunas actually have real swords or katanas that have been given to them. I thought this was an interesting fact or tidbit. Mm -hmm. They're actually bamboo swords. Because the katanas are too heavy. And I thought, of all the people who could handle carrying a yeah. real sword for just like a minute or two, it's it's a wrestler. But they've given them bamboo swords huh. representing a real metal sword. So that, that was strange. Yeah, that is interesting. Anyway, both wrestlers have to be makauchi level. Okay. And uh, they wear the matching ceremonial aprons, often given to them by the Yokozuna. So the Yokozuna, I kept thinking about how much money these guys win and, oh, they must have fancy cars. And yes, they have all that. They're very well paid. If you think about the cost of each one of those, yeah. between five and $10,000, and you have different ones for every day of you know, the tournament, and you have to give those to the dew sweeper and the sword bearer to wear, just think that that cost for just that one tiny little ceremony would easily be $30,000. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then you have a tournament. Then everybody wrestles for the day. Now, if you usually watch at the very tail end after Hakahoa fights somebody, here comes this guy who comes in with a twirling routine. Yeah. And he is a bow twirler. It's called the bow gaining ceremony, and it was meant to be a gift given to, I guess, whoever won that day or I, I'm, or the Yokozuna, I'm not exactly sure, but it's a gift that they would give maybe to whoever won the whole tournament. They come in and parade it around and they're like, look what you could win, which in the 1700s was a legitimate weapon yeah. and would have been highly prized. Yes. They don't have the, the string on the bow anymore. It's just the bow. But the guy comes out and he does this routine with the bow just to kind of say, here's what you could possibly win. Oh. And he has a couple of movements. They they don't vary. They must be done in this order and they must be done particularly okay. as they have been for many, many, many years. First, the guy starts. I can't, oh, what's this guy's name? Oh, yeah. It, it, they're called the Yumitori Shiki. That's what it is in Japanese. Yumitori Shiki. He comes out and he twirls first really fast. You see it kind of above his head or slightly above his forehead. He twirls to drive away the spirits. Then he flips it under and he uses it in a digging motion, yeah. hovering over the ground to drive away the evil soil. So you get it up in the air. He drives away the evil spirits in the air. And then he drives away the evil spirits in the soil. Okay. Um, I guess to protect the upcoming harvest. Uh -huh. And then last he does a series of stomps and that purifies the ring finally and then it's over but one last strange tidbit if at any stage the bow is dropped yeah it must be picked up with a foot 
rather than a hand. Why because, a foot? <laughs> because if you touch your hand to the ground, it symbolizes a defeat. And that did happen one time in history. But I can only imagine if I was the bow twirler and I dropped the bow in front of all those people having to like wedge it between my big toes, <laughs> like pick it up off of the ground. Huh. You know, I mean, it echoes basically what what a defeat is for a sumo wrestler. It's like you touch any part of your body other than the soles of your feet to the ground or the the doyo ring then you're toast you're over so there must be something in that touching of the dirt and that could i don't know present problems down the line i have no idea but that's interesting i'd like to see somebody try it to wedge it up with their foot but yeah. not their hands yeah it would be an interesting challenge i'm sure that's pressure that is really fascinating kind of kooky yeah thanks for looking that up you're welcome. Okay. Now we're going to dive deep into the tournament. Woo! When we last spoke. <laughs> yes. It was after day seven. So going in after day seven, Hakuho was still undefeated, 7-0. And there were five men at the end of day seven with one loss. Asanoyama. Oh, yep. Mitakeumi. Takanosho. Chiyotairu. And Aoyama. This feels like it was ages ago. It was. Chiyotairu? Wow. Yes, I know. It's very interesting to look back at these notes. So that's the way it was the beginning of day eight. Okay. And I am theming day eight headbutts. Because (laughs) it was all about headbutting. Well, and you could hear them. I know. And I never thought that there was a sound to that, but I that's know. just how he- hard they're hitting each other. Now, how do you think you train to butt heads with someone? I, I don't know. I don't know either, but it know. happens so much more often than I ever realized now that we're not hearing the audience. It's just headbutt city up there, and I'm amazed these guys aren't walking off that doyo like seeing stars, or maybe they are, and we just don't realize it, but day eight was all about headbutting. There were several bouts with huge headbutts at the beginning. Takakesho versus Hokuto Fuji. And it seems like it happens often mm-hmm. with Takakesho because he leads with his head often. Yeah. I occasionally see him do a, a push straight up front, but he's not afraid to put his head out yeah, there. Yeah, put his head out there. There was a huge one at the beginning of that fight. Huge one between Kakaru and Mitakeumi. Kakaru went in super low for that bout and clocked heads with Mitakeumi and he just knocked Mitakeumi back. Mitakeumi had no time to react no, at all. It was so that so was pretty fast. much movie style headbutt clock right out of the ring. Yeah, it, it was. was crazy. There were uh, several of those all day long. You remember Hakaho and Abi? Uh, I remember Abi just pushing and pushing and pushing and Hakaho stepping back for just a second to absorb the pushes. And then he just did this tiny pull on one arm and Abi went down to the dirt because he was leaning too far forward. Mm-hmm. That was the day the Hakaho caught Abi's upper body like a true gentleman and placed him softly <laughs> on the doyo. It was, I don't remember that part, but you it don't? makes sense it's that like that's he what caught, you remember. Yeah, he caught the guy going down and just placed him on the ground like a child. It right. was beautiful. I'm not sure it went exactly like that. <laughs> Maybe in your fantasy version of it. Do you remember? You substitute, substituted yourself for well, Abi in this that scenario. Would be lovely if it was myself and he was just placing me on the toya. Do you remember the Onosho Inho fight on oh, day eight? Oh yeah, that's the one that had the huge leap up top. Yes. Okay. Definitely look this fight up. Oh, it was good it was times. On day eight of the March Basho 2020 and right at the beginning as they started, Enho took a giant leap up like a cat. He has mad reflexes. He really does. I've never seen anybody do a leap like that in the beginning. Onosho just kept pushing and pushing after Enho, and Enho kept Onosho on the run all around the ring. Onosho just chasing him to push Enho out. Enho almost went out, but somehow leaped into Onosho, grabbed onto Onosho's right shoulder from the front, twisted around quickly and threw Onosho to the ground. Onosho flew over in a flip. It happened so, so fast and was so unexpected. 
They're both so dynamic. You know, I like to watch Anosho versus Dae show. Those two, to me, like, are so well-matched because they just fight the same way. It's yeah. just dynamic. It's huge. And it's fast. Yes. And yes. I think Enho fits into that category as well. He's just nimble. He's just, like, so fast. I know. Also, looking at my notes from day eight, it's really funny. Murray was getting on my nerves this day. Oh, I remember. <laughs> so, yeah. So one of the NHK commentators, Murray... I love him, but he rambles on about age in a way that really bothers yeah. me because he'll he's say, ageist. He's, he's like, oh, this wrestler is 29. He's absolutely in decline. You know, Kotoshogiku is 36, but he still fights well. He's just got this thing about any wrestler and also, in his 30s. Murray's probably like at least 60 something. And, and he it's separated like, himself out from the whole aging thing. Yeah. And it's like looking at these beautiful wrestlers still very much in their prime and he's always like oh no that one's losing it Hakaho's definitely losing it he's just not what he was before and it started to really get on my nerves on day 8 I mean he had had a few little comments here and there previously but he was really rolling in it on yeah, day 8 yeah the more eight. I've watched him and some of his Basho preview business I like him too but he definitely goes through life I think spinning negative first you know those people who spin negative yeah. and there are other people like Hiro like he spins positive he's yeah. just like I'm here for the fun <laughs> same, same with Raja Pradnan he's also like I'm just here to have a good time I believe this I believe in them right and Murray's like pragmatic and <laughs> these, these he's guys like, well, they're at their end it's the end of their lives their careers are going downhill <laughs> and he's also the one that mispronounces because he's Australian what was the the cock <laughs> oh, does he? Yeah, remember? Because we were discussing whether it's Kotanage or Kakanage. Oh. And you thought it was Kakanage because you had been watching Murray do the commentating. Yes. And I was like, no, no, no. I would have remembered if there was something really called Kakanage. <laughs> but it's spelled K-O as opposed to K-A. But it was like his weird Australian accent was like Kakanage. Yeah. Like, Watch out. It is, you it don't is, want a Kakanage. It is doubly confusing as a Texan to learn Japanese through an Australian accent. That's basically <laughs> what I was doing. And I was like, no, that's the way it is. It's absolutely that way. It's this Australian version of Japanese, Leslie. And you were like, uh, no. <laughs> Cut to all of our listeners right in, and you're like, no, it's really cacking ugly. <laughs> all oh, right, no. don't hold it against me. Don't hold it against me. So day nine, I just titled this day Holding Steady, because there was a lot of really great sumo this day, but nothing that really captured my interest mm -hmm. in a way that like made me jump off the couch. There was still very beautiful stuff happening, but mm -hmm. there's always a day in which I go, oh, the... The costumes that the goji are wearing are so pretty today. <laughs> or, oh, Aoyama. Wow, they finally interviewed him. And, you know, they called him the big Bulgarian for the first time. And I, my notes from this day say, Aoyama actually used the term my brand of sumo twice in a single interview. My notes are always about the sumo on some days. And this was just one of those days for me. Like, another note that I wrote down was, Abi fights Kakaru. Kakaru looks so steady and calm, absorbing all these slaps from Abi. And Abi just looks mean when he fights. Abi kind of <laughs> looks like he's an angry bird the entire time, you know? I can see that. But like, you know, the expression on his face, he gets... Arr. Yeah, he's but, sumo's wild boy. Yeah. But when he fights Kakaru, it's... Kakaru is just... It's kind of like... Like a little kid fighting his dad is what it seemed like. So those are the type of things I was taking yeah. notes on. on well, I, I found that Kiribayama versus Takara Fuji was a little interesting, maybe, mainly because Takara Fuji, he won, but he used kind of a rarely seen uh, kimarite, which is sumo technique to win. And it was this arm bearing force out. Seems like there are quite a few arm bearing. Arm barring. Ar ar sorry, arm bearing. <laughs> arm bearing. They're, they all have bare arms. They do all. Uh, apologies. <laughs> I'm an idiot. It was an arm barring force house. It's just hard to say. Arm bar? Yeah. What was looked even harder was how to get somebody in that position because it's basically you grab their arms just really up close to their shoulders from the front. And it looks really, it, it would be like if you kind of tried to put your boobs together and your arms <laughs> are down straight, like you're. You know what I mean. Everybody, I know. everybody at home try Women it. know what this means. Yeah, guys can do it too. You kind of put your arms straight down and then push your boobies together. Yeah. Okay, so the other wrestler would have had his arms around the upper part of your 
shoulder. Like, yeah, that's actually uh, a really like, good description. Like under your armpits almost, and then kind of lifts them up and pushes them back. So I can't imagine just the strain. Uh, what is that muscle that's um, underneath the, bicep? the biceps? That what's the what's the bone underneath that muscle? Oh, the humerus. <laughs> yeah, humerus. <laughs> the strain on your humerus. Basically, yeah. any sort of arm barring kimarite. You have to go with the throw that's happening or else you're going to tear your shoulder socket. Yeah, or I break mean, your humeruses. Yeah, your, your humeri. <laughs> you're basically going to break or tear something if you don't go with the move that's happening with an arm bar. And that's yeah. why they look so scary and as painful. a viewer. Yeah. So I there also, was one used that day. I remember that. And I, did they? is this the one where they were like, it hasn't been used in five years? Uh, Possibly. I'm, I might be making that up, but They're, they haven't used this arm bearing technique in five years. <laughs> arm barring technique. <laughs> Another one that was a little interesting is Inho versus Indo. And I just like to say that's fun to say. Inho, Indo, Inho, Indo. That was fun that day. There was no Tachi eye, but Indo has figured out Inho's no Tachi eye deal. And, and wrestlers like Indo have fought him and watched him now enough to kind of know what Indo's trickery is from up top and it doesn't work and if they're patient and they kind of watch at the tachi eye for Inho's duck or a, le- a leg grab then they can usually get above it that was one that was that was one of those where I felt like Endo had figured him out he's got him he's got uh, his numbers yeah so day 10 Day 10. Day 10. I'm titling Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) Exclamation point. Exclamation point. The first bout I want to mention from day 10 actually features Kotonowaka. Kotonowaka. Kotonowaka, who is the newest wrestler at the upper level. This kid looks so young. It's crazy. He He, looks like he's 14. He's Sumo's little brother, as I like to call him. Yeah, yeah. he does look like your kid brother. Somebody you're like, like, will you guys guys let my little brother wrestle a little bit? Yeah, he's really good at this thing. Just let him up here. Be really nice to him. But he actually did really well. He had a great tournament. Yes, he did. So on day 10, he fought Terutsuyoshi. Mm -hmm. And I loved this fight because right at the Tachiai, Terutsuyoshi lunged forward and went for a face slap on this kid, mm-hmm. but it didn't connect. I don't know if he like faked one or or if he missed it. Whatever happened, Kotonowaka closed his eyes to sort of brace for this impact of the, of that slap. And in that moment, Terutsuyoshi lunged down. He picked up one of Kotonowaka's knees instead and just picked it up really high and toppled this kid, this large kid. It was just so beautifully done. It was, was one of those. Was it a fake out? I, I think it was a fake out. What is out. it in football where they do the, I'm going to fake the. The fake pass? Yeah, what is that called? Is there a name for yes, a fake pass? there is. Like, it's, we should ask dad. I feel like our listeners need to know exactly. Dad knows what that is. Should we go talk to him right now? I'll go find out. <laughs> Okay, hold on. Okay. Hey, Dad! Hey, Dad! Did you find out? No. Is it just called faking a pass? I think it's called faking a pass. I think Dad has also just forgotten. There must be a Japanese term for a fake pass. It's a fake out, but that's not the term, whatever. All right. Dad doesn't know. Well, I loved that fight from day 10. What day uh, are we on? Day 10, called Surprise. <laughs> uh, you know, that's really it from day 10. No, nothing else much. Oh, right. Besides Hakko and No Show. But I, I would like to say yeah. um, Sad Clown and Tamawashi had a. Sadanoumi? Well, yeah, I call him Sad Clown. Uh, I don't know why. I still call him Margaret Hamilton every time I see him. <laughs> Because he totally reminds me of the Wicked Witch of the West. I'm sorry, but something about his face. Oh, yeah, he really? does sort of resemble Margaret Hamilton. <laughs> who turned out to be a real sweet lady. She was lady. the nicest lady in the world. Did you ever see her on Mr. Rogers? Yes, she's She was so, so sweet. sweet. And then she was punished the rest of her life by, like, small children just seeing her in real life. I know, running the other running way. Running the other way. Oh, I love Margaret Hamilton. So I do still love Sad Clown. Tamawashi, he's had a rough run, so it was glad to see he had a big win. He won with Uwatanange. So that was that was noteworthy in my mind. Plus, it should just be noted, anytime we discuss Tamawashi, yeah. he makes his own cupcakes. It should be noted. It should be noted. Yeah. All right. So the other, the other fight on day oh, 10. All right. We have to Not go through this. On. It'll just be fast. 
um, Hakaho versus Onosho. There was a lot of pushing back and forth at the top of this fight. That's Onosho. Then a huge rush forward by Onosho, and he pushed Hakaho right out of the ring. Hakaho pretty much took out a judge on the way. It was the big surprise of the day. Nobody saw that coming. Onosho had a huge smile on his face afterwards because they did an an after-bout interview with him. And I thought it was hysterical because they said something like, how do you feel? What do you think he did well? And he just with this huge smile looked like he, again he was like 17 he was like I don't remember how it went but I think I must have have been good oh that's so sweet I know it was really sweet all of these guys they look so serious and so old on the doyo and then as soon as they get interviewed afterwards you go oh they are they're 23 yeah they're really I think young show men. and show I think both of them are like 23 24 they have such spirit and they're on their way up but what that must mean to them to beat Hakaho I know with that young energy and that young spirit it's got to be overwhelming yes day 11 I loved this day I am entitling this day ballet balance and brutes <laughs> Oh, that's that could be a book. Right? Yeah. Yes, because there was so much play between strength and balance and beautiful moves right at the edge of the doyo all day long. It's Except like for one. Everyone, everyone had had their Wheaties that morning, and they were just on point. I you don't know, know who didn't have the Wheaties, who? though, is poor Nishikigi. So Kiribayama... <laughs> It's kind of funny to think about Nishikigi in Kiribayama was really hard to watch, but, uh, but because poor Nishikigi has really had a tough run of it. He just can't get ahead, but he got taken down and spun around like he was an old lady with a purse, and Kiribayama was like mugging him. He had his arms tied around his back. <laughs> And Nishikigi just looked clueless as to how he actually got there. He's like, well, what? Wait, wait. He's got my hands behind my back. And he spins them in a per- like in a circle yeah. like he would take a purse and then just like ran off. Kiribayama like won. But poor Nishikigi, like when you're down, you're down. But it looked like he got his purse stolen today, oh, too. Oh, the poor guy. There were just so many fights like that that were just sort of it, that wild was and crazy. balletic, though. If yeah. you did look at it, you're like, I've never seen this happen. <laughs> Exactly. Like he was cuffing him. <laughs> well, I have a couple examples. Okay. Enho versus Tokushoryu. Both oh, men yeah. really finding it hard to win against the top guys in this tournament. They looked at each other. Tokushoryu ran forward, completely overpowered Enho. But Enho turned to the side. He was actually standing on the bales, and he spun to his side and kept his left foot, his toes, just on top of the bales, like a girl on a balance beam. Yeah. And he threw Tokushorio down by balancing perfectly atop those yeah. bales. And bales meaning the Tawada, the rice bales that are the outside part of the ring. Yes. The white part of the ring. They're a little bit elevated. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe three inches, something like that? Yeah. Two, two and a half, three inches. Yeah, but it's not wide. I don't know how wide those bales actually are, but I would guess four inches tops. Maybe. If that, yeah. If that. Daesho and Mitakeyumi, they had a fight in which right at the edge, Daesho had been pushing Mitakeyumi back, and right at the edge, Mitakeyumi did this beautiful pirouette and then sent Daesho out of the ring. It was I just love seeing big men do pirouettes. Yeah, it was a rear push out win by Mitakeyumi and Daesho seemed to have more power. You know, he well, I mean, they both have power. Mitakeyumi is a freight train coming at you. Yes, he is. But Daesho just had an element of kind of surprise and trickery. And so I thought that was, I, I thought that was an interesting fight too. So many to talk about. I just do want to mention the Hakaho versus Hokutofuji. I oh. loved it only because, okay, one, in the beginning, Hokutofuji was getting ready for this fight and he did that 
evil villain neck crack thing that they do in the movies yeah, where they goes, throw uh, their uh. head to each side really quickly to crack all of their cervical kind spine of vertebrae. purses his mouth too and he's like mm-hmm. yeah like really trying mm-hmm. to psych himself up in a beautiful way but then in the Tachi Hakaho exploded forward like he was exiting a rocket and he pushed Hakato Fuji back all the way into the second row I think he was just he seemed so pissed from losing the day before it was incredible. Yeah, he owned him. <laughs> he owned Hokuto Fuji. So after day 11, things started to shift for me watching the tournament because this is the point at which I have to stop looking at social media because we are... Which is wa- hard to do well, when there's a pandemic. Well, yes, absolutely. But we're watching these things in America. We're watching them after they truly happen, right. it's really easy to find out what's happened in the matches if you go on social media. But really, at this point, you're just watching all of the men who are vying for the top spot. Everybody else fades back. So at the end of day 11, believe it or not, first place, there was a tie between Hakaho and Aoyama. The big Bulgarian. The big Bulgarian. And they were chased by this huge crowd uh, of people at 9 and 2. So day 12 comes along, and I'm entitling this day, Thank God for Slow-Mo. It was a good day for Slow-Mo. It was a great day for Slow-Mo. And since Aoyama was tied for first place, let's talk about Aoyama versus Mitakeumi. Okay. This was big boy sumo at its best. It was. And it was fabulous to watch in slow motion because it was these big, huge, lumbering men with lots of flesh pushing back and forth on each other. Aoyama won this bout in a beautiful pushing effort. It was fascinating to me that Aoyama was tied for first place. Yeah, it at day twelve, kind it of was, blew my mind because in the past he's been sluggish and just yes. kind of ho hum, and you didn't see a lot of sumo spirit or fire in his belly. Well, Aoyama is one of those wrestlers. He seems to do two things really well. He seems to push and he seems to pull, and he's huge, and he's ginormous. You guys, if you're not familiar with Aoyama, he's not the biggest wrestler, but he weighs four hundred and twenty-five pounds. I think he's the biggest one in this. No, he's not. I actually Who's looked bigger? it up. Kaisei. Oh, is bi- actually, there's really? several that are bigger. Yeah, Chiyomairu is four hundred forty pounds. Kaisei is heavier. Aoyama is actually similar weight to Tokushoryu. Really? Yeah. Whoa. So four twenty-five. So he's not the heaviest. Aoyama has always seemed to me like he's a small man in a big man's body, mm-hmm. and he hasn't always known where his body is in right. space. You watch some of these other larger guys, they know exactly where every elbow is in space, but Aoyama is just sometimes, uh, like he leans a little too far forward, yeah. he has trouble moving quickly, he's just not a fast mover. Right. I was really surprised to see him in first place, and still after this incredible fight with Mitakeyomi, still in first place, but he was. After this bout, he was interviewed and he said, and this is very telling, he is not feeling the pressure of the crowd. And yeah. then I thought about that and I was like, maybe, because I think I said in last week's podcast that it was going to be interesting to me to find out who the introverts were because they just might excel in this environment where the crowds make them nervous. They can't focus. There's too many flashes of too many cameras going on. They just can't buckle down and meet the match without this other fuzz and buzz going on in the brains. And and he might be one of those that just excels in this environment. Well, it's calm and it's steady. He said the pressure wasn't getting to him from the crowd, but I'll tell you the pressure from being in first place did Did. get to him. Yeah, it did. So it came from elsewhere. And we'll get to that on our next day. But the other fight I need to mention on day 12, Hakaho versus Shodai. There was a big slap at the top. Hakaho just slapped Shodai across the face. There was another huge slap across the face. And another. And another. Four huge slaps across the face for Shodai. And then it was like Shodai just got sick of it. He got low. He put his head into Hakaho's armpit, pushed forward. Hakaho tried to wiggle away, but Shodai did not let him. Surprise ending. Shodai won. Mm -hmm. And Shodai had not beat Hakaho in three 
years. I am loving Shodai these days. Are you? I am. The last tournament, obviously, he did really, really well. And he was down to the wire winning, but he didn't win. What I liked about this, with someone who's like Abby, somebody who's like Hakaho, they always have kind of these cheap slaps up top just to rattle them. And it is a technique, I imagine. They're, they're these open-handed slaps. And it's just to kind of get that person from, I think, focusing on what Whatever their technique was. Shodai, you can see, even in the slow-mo, he deals with these incredible slaps coming at him. And he's patient. Yep. He's like, slap me. He I don't is. Care. He's like, I'm, I'm expecting this to come at me. I will, I will continue to focus through it. And he does. And he's gotten so good at focusing through that and being able to follow through with whatever he wants to do after that. And that was a good example of it. He was like, I'm getting beat to hell in my face and my neck by this guy. And I just keep moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> good focus from Shoda. So what was fascinating about that fight is that was the fight where Hakaho fell out of the lead. So he fell into the pack at second place, and Aoyama was now the sole leader mm -hmm. at the end of day 12. What? That was crazy. So day 13, I'm sure Aoyama started to feel the big pressure here. Who was it? Uh, Aoyama was first and then followed by Kakaru, Hakahu, and Asunoyama, right? Yes, okay. at the end of day 12. Ooh. I know. So I wouldn't day... want any of those nipping at my heels. Ooh, I know. So day 13, Aoyama met Takanosho. Okay. He had a great tournament, by the way. He's, Who? He, Takanosho. Yes, he did. They Both of these guys did really, really well, which is why they were meeting on day 13. Aoyama pulled immediately on Takanosho. Takanosho knew that was going to happen, and he stayed right with Aoyama, pushed him right out of the ring. So Aoyama lost Ugh. his lead on day 13. It was like he was unfocused or caught off guard. And I really it think seemed it was the pressure. The, yeah, the pressure of being in the lead got to him yeah. mentally because he knew how close he was. Yep. And it's always like they say, you know, people get into car wrecks like the closer closer they are to home. Have you ever heard that statistic? No, I have not heard that statistic. I might be because they're not paying up. attention. I would think. Right. Because once they get close to home, they stop paying attention to the little details and the things that could jump out at them. So I think it's kind of one of those instances where he just got, oh my god. He must have dreamt big about winning oh. it and how close he was if he just... I think he was so stressed. And I think oh. it just didn't work yeah. out for him. <laughs> I just think it he was like, him. oh my God, it's me and these three other guys that are so good. And why am I here? And oh my God, what do I do now? And mm -hmm. I think he was just thinking about that rather than the fight itself. Maybe. Oh. It was a tough loss. Yes. So same day, Hakaho met Asanoyama. Oh, Both big. Tied with the same record, both tied for second place. And depending on who won this, could move into first place. Whew. Hakaho charged. They met chest to chest. Asanoyama moved backwards from the power of Hakaho's charge. And it looked like Asanoyama was falling backward while Hakaho was falling forward. They basically let go of each other and Hakaho turned his head, watched Asanoyama's feet as Asanoyama stumbled backwards. And he did this. He Hakaho won, but he did it with this amazing, like, ice skating sow cow flip or something. <laughs> Basically, he flipped, Hakaho flipped his feet higher in the air than Asano Yama's because he was watching the timing of Asano Yama's it was feet a real step out before move. him. It was so cool. It was like, we're both going out at the same time. And if I throw my feet up, he is going to step out first. That is how Hakaho won. And that is what makes him so good. Oh, absolutely. He understands that just the slightest change in what you do in those moments determines the win or the loss. Yep. He's watched so many bouts, I'm sure, go down exactly like that. He was well prepared to be like, oh, here I am in this position again. Looks like we could both hit the ground at the same time, but I'm somehow going to stop <laughs> the motion and the weight of my body from hitting the ground first. Oh, my God. I don't know how he does it, but it's a real Matrix deal. So at the end of day 13, now we had Aoyama and two Yokozuna tied for first place. 
place. And this is the point where I started to think, oh, it's totally going to be a Yokozuna playoff on the last day. It could be. But hey, can I also say that yeah, yeah. during day 13, that was the day that there were a couple of monoese mm-hmm. and one of them was actually reversed. But sadly, no disembowelment. Oh, no! I, I actually did think that there. I actually thought the same thing because on the past few days, there were a couple of reversals. And I thought, oh, nobody's disemboweling themselves. This would be a messy, messy tournament if that was still happening. And if people didn't listen to our episode last week, I talked, I think it was last yeah. week. I talked about how the Gyoji carries a little dagger and it's there just in the instance that he calls a match incorrectly and it's reversed by the sideline judges. And then therefore, upon that, he would disembowel himself but it was suicide. In the olden days. yeah but he doesn't do it these days which was good because yeah. i didn't want that especially in a very quiet arena yeah no 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 that would just it would sound terrible it would look par- terrible oh really awful okay okay so that's what it was like going into day 14 and day 14 is really only about who was gonna win 14 and 15 yeah who was gonna win i just stopped taking notes because I was screaming so loud in the other room. Partly that to shut it out. <laughs> because I was noise. T- because I was telling you to stop talking. You guys, it got to the last two days of this tournament, and the minute Leslie would say anything while we were watching it, I was like, "Shush, hush." And hush. I was like, "I'm not saying anything." Hush, hush. hush. <laughs> I was not very nice, unless we're okay. watching it with Japanese, and then I was like, "Talk all you want." true but i wasn't trying to give out spoilers i was just like oh look at that and you'd be like no don't say it anymore i'm like i'm just saying what i have observed it, it's already happened in the past therefore you've seen it but uh, there's two co-leaders right hakaho and aoyama th- that was the day 14 and asanayama and kakaru right day 14 three people in first place oh okay sorry two yokozuna and aoyama got it hakaho met aoyama on day 14 Okay, remember, they're tied for first right. place. I knew how this was going to go. I did, too. I knew exactly. <laughs> Aoyama has never won against Hakaho. They've met 21 times. <laughs> <laughs> and and technically, Aoyama won one, but it's only because Hakaho wasn't there. Yeah, he was injured. He's, he pulled out, so he got a forfeit win. So I had a real good feeling who was going to win. Yeah. And... I'll tell you, Aoyama looked terrified walking up for this fight. Like it was one of those moments where where I thought he really does look like he's about seventeen years old. He probably and, had nervous diarrhea prior to oh, that. Oh, you know match. he did. You know he was like, I'm not eating anything today because I'm meeting the I have to, Yeah. Anytime anybody goes up against them, they can see this thing. It's in, so intimidating from Hakaho. I don't know how any of them fight him I because don't it's either. so intimidating. I looking. know, just looking at it. Ooh. By the way, you have something green in your teeth. Oh, I do? Yeah, the one next to it. Oh, good God. It's probably been there all it day. Has been, it has been, but... How I've, have you been talking to me like that the whole time? I've been talking to you staring at it the whole time. <laughs> there was a good tachi eye at the top of Hakaho versus Aoyama. Hakaho pushed Aoyama back. Then Aoyama regrouped, moved Hakaho back with a big push. And then Aoyama leaned a little too far forward. And Hakaho turned to his side. Aoyama fell forward, lost his balance. Hakaho pulled him over with a throw. They both tumble out of the ring. So now, the Asano other Yama. fight. Yes, Asanoyama versus Kakaru. Kakaru is also in the tie for first place. So it's really important that he win this so that he can then be tied with Hakaho. Mm-hmm. These two had met twice before, and they are very evenly matched. Asanoyama and Kakaru. They're both They're, amazing. They both they look similar. Their body shapes mm-hmm. are similar. This was the third time meeting. So they've met twice before, and each one of them had won once. Okay. We didn't know which way this one was going to go. There was a big hit at the beginning, belly to belly. Asanoyama moved Kakaru back. Kakaru went for a leg trip. It didn't work. Asanoyama worked Kakaru to the edge. Kakaru swung around walked backward. They both circled around each other near the center of the ring, holding each other's belts. They worked to the edge, each trying to get control of the match. They both leaned forward. One leg went up high. They both leaned out at the same time. They fell off the doyo together, and I could not tell who won this match at all. The win was given to Asanoyama, but the judges met, 
and reversed the decision. And in slow-mo, you could see that as they were falling out, Asanoyama put his hand out to catch himself and then pulled it back into his chest as he was falling. But his forearm actually touched the ground first because Kakadu threw both legs up, just like what Hakuhu did previously. Kakadu, uh-huh. Kakadu threw both <laughs> legs up high and he used absolutely no arms as he fell off the doyo. This is kind of like taking a swan dive. Right. Off the doyo to the ground. And you're going to hit a pile yeah. of mud You're going to hit face first or shoulder first <laughs> at ground level and being willing to do that. That's so that's basically sacrifice. That's what he did. And that is why he won because he did that same ice skating move <laughs> where you throw your feet higher in the air and you don't catch yourself and fall on your face. Wow. Yeah. It was such a great fight. I'd like to also say I've been watching so I watched for different reasons. But every time I see sweet Kakaru, I look at him and I think he must have been the prettiest little baby because he has the sweetest like he has like the sweetest like full lips. He just looks he he just looks adorable. I mean, he's a grown man now and he's not quite as adorable. But, you know, as a baby, he must have been precious. I think he's precious as a man. Yeah. I do, too. I like Kakadu. It's just a side note. You know, you see some people and you're like, I bet they were a cute baby. He's one of those. Okay, day 15. So basically, it is a Yokozuna showdown for first place on day 15. It hasn't happened in seven years. It made me so excited. But just to tell you what happened with Aoyama, he fought Ishiura. He lost again. He just, I think the pressure got to him on the last two days. Lost his steam. Really, it's all about this Yokozuna playoff. Two Mongolian wrestlers. It said on the TV that one was 36 and one was 34, but then when I looked it up later, it says they're both 34. Hmm. I thought it, well, I thought both Aka was 34 nice. years old, Murray. You hear that, Murray? Both 34. Yeah, but both... our source is Wikipedia, which is. <laughs> no, that was on the NHK website. Oh, then yes. they should know. They should know. I'm just saying, Murray, it was a guy in his 30s. He's an older guy. Maybe Both they of got them. those stats from their dating profiles. I don't know. Slightly fibbed on the age. The guys are both at the top of their game. Hakaho is a little taller, a little bit heavier. But they're both just so good at what they do. They're both evenly matched. Either one could win. At this point, I was thrilled no matter which way it was, was going to go. It was just magical to watch two men at the top of their game. Maybe towards the ends of their career, but to have... Don't all... don't say that, Murray. Uh, I see what they, you're saying. Uh, yeah. Well, they are beautiful. They're at the top of their form. Yes. They're incredible athletes. Leave it at that. Well, They're I'm... both still fighting. Can I finish? No. <laughs> yes. I will finish <laughs> saying that their years of experience to get there, you saw in this match. Yes. So whether it's the end of their career or not, doesn't matter. It's what they've they've been in the game for so long. And them against each other was a moment you just don't see people who've had that much experience, that much composure yep. in that big of a fight. And you know it meant a lot, obviously, to both of them. Oh, yeah. But they approached it in that sumo mindset that is required to be a Yokozuna. What I loved about the fight, there was no face slapping. It was the kind of sumo where they go chest to chest and they are constantly re-jockeying for the best arm position. Yes. One guy moves one arm. The other guy moves an arm in response. Wiggles hips. Yep. Other guy moves an arm in response. Wiggles hips. Back and forth, straining against each other, hips moving chest to chest. It was incredible. And there was... At some point in this fight, Hakaho got a little bit of the extra edge and moved Kakaru out. It was just a beautiful fight. Yeah. The last time two Yokozunas had met on the last day of the tournament was about seven years ago, and it was Hakaho versus Haramafuji. And I believe Hakaho lost. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So, well, he won this one. Yeah. So this was Hakaho's. That was that extra motivation. This was Hakaho's 44th tournament win mm-hmm. that is incredible i was thinking about that there's six tournaments a year mm-hmm. like that's almost eight Seven. solid years almost eight solid years Seven. of wins yeah and yeah. i know they've been spaced out more than that but that is an incredible run and he's still going absolutely i mean no I one else even was pulling that. for kakaru 
just because he's always considered the the second best Yokozuna. He's the only other Yokozuna, but because he's so calm and composed and he doesn't have necessarily that flair that Hakaho yeah. has, that spice, you know, it, I I wanted I just wanted him to win. I just yeah. He doesn't have nearly as many Yusha wins. He only has six trophies. Yeah. But uh, he was so close. And he's Hakuho. just so well. He's just so good. I know. Uh, you know, and I didn't talk as much about Kakaru in this tournament because most of my notes were, oh, Kakaru just grabbed the belt and moved forward and he looked calm and he looked solid. Great win. That's what my notes were on every Kakadu win. Well, maybe Whereas, that's how we view him. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah, he showed up and did exactly as he should. Yes. But because he doesn't showboat or anything, not to say Hakaho showboats, but you're like, oh, I observed that bout. And then this other one has spice. Yeah. Let's talk about it. <sighs> Newsflash. Newsflash. Let's return to that newsflash I mentioned up top. Yeah. Uh, I think it should be said that Asanoyama did have an incredible run yes. during this tournament. And he did, in fact, get the Ozeki promotion. Oh, he did! Yes, which people weren't sure if he was because he got an 11-4. He had 11-4 record, but he held a late-night conference, maybe overnight press conference, with just a few people and his stable master, Takasago. One thing that I noticed about this interview, it is translated from English into, or from Japanese into English, so there's a little bit of weirdness in how it translates from the page. Okay. But it was really kind of fun to watch how the master Takasago talked about Asanoyama and that he said that he was lucky to get the promotion with 11 wins, which is kind of a side dig and and meaning like, well, he didn't get 12 and three, you know. Yeah. He, he was lucky to get it, you know. Okay. And I think maybe that's that thing that when your coach is not necessarily nice all the time, you hear that and you try to fight harder to to prove to him what you can do. He basically also said um, that he was lucky to win. He's he's won 12 in a row, but he hasn't really reached a lot of 13s and 14s, and that's necessary for this next step. And okay. if he does want to go to Yokozuna, that's where he's got to be. And right. so there's a lot of pressure between just showing up and getting 10 or 11, 12, but you got to start turning into 13s and 14s every tournament to be able to be considered. He did have a word of wisdom. Or the phrase. coach? Or... Yeah. And he said, and I, and I like this. He said, as for the stairs, if you go up one step, you can go up quickly. But I think it's important to step up the stairs one by one firmly. Oh, nice. And I and I think that that may just be the way he's coached Asanoyama. And when you think about it, that has kind of been reflected. Each tournament, he's just kind of chipped away at the block, chipped away, chipped away, and chipped away till he's been consistently winning. Takasago also said that he's beaten the crane dragon. And I always think, you know, we say Kakaru and we think, oh, it's like a name, like Laurie or Leslie. Yeah. Kakaru is his name, but it's translated as the crane dragon. Yeah. And he said he's beaten the crane dragon, so that's good, but he's never beaten the, he's never beaten the phoenix. Yeah. Is, is that what Hakaho is? It seems like he's a phoenix. Some, I think it may be phoenix. So uh, he, he hadn't beaten the Hakaho, which is that true? The question about the Olympics. There was an article back in February talking about the Olympics, how big it's going to be for the sumo world. Basically, because I think we have a tournament right prior to the Olympics beginning, there should be a lot of publicity. And I think for sumo, they were really relying on the Olympics happening just to be able to bump up the publicity for them. Unfortunately, it was just announced today, a few hours ago, that they are going to postpone the olympics no yes really yes uh, australia pulled out and canada pulled out no mm -hmm. they said they haven't worked out the details of it they're going to meet next month to talk about it but they're talking about the olympics being in 2021 oh those athletes oh my god i feel so sorry for those athletes. i know that was my source i saw it on a Whoa. couple of different web websites it was oh also oh, it was a deadline article and a guy named dick pound <laughs> Dick Pound? That's, what an unfortunate name. <laughs> well, you know what? We could bully. The guy's had a name his whole life. I'm just going to be like, 
Dick Pound. You <laughs> you rock that name. You're lucky to have that name because people remember it, Dick Pound. That's right. Now this episode will have to be marked explicit. Absolutely. All right. But anyway, I asked Hako in my mind, will he be able to hang on then for even longer? Will we get more Hako? Because he oh, said he's that gonna he's going to retire this year. So I thought that would be good news for you to find out. Will he retire maybe sooner like he said he would yeah or will he try to hang on for another year <gasps> and we don't have an answer to that yet nope, right we just don't know okay if he sticks around and keeps wrestling i'll be thrilled if he retires i'll just consider myself lucky to have watched the man for years can I read you this article about what he said after the win? Please. It's translated. I have not watched any of the interviews after he won or anything. So this is all new to me. So the interviewer asked him, what was your feeling after the fight? And he said, I felt like it was long and, and quick, 15 days. Now I want it to be slow. Is there a sense of achievement? Hakaho says, when I saw my mobile phone yesterday, there was a lot of congratulatory emails and telephone calls, and I could feel that I won. Yesterday, there was a commendation ceremony, but the mood was not pleasing. But after receiving so many messages, I felt really happy. Uh, was this a different taste of the championship? And he said, every championship has a different taste, but this one was special. He was asked... How did you get over the painful place? I'm guessing whatever that the moment painful of the, place. Yeah. He said at first there, there was this place, maybe in what he's talking about inside, that was painful to be doing this without the fans, maybe. But he wanted to do it. So huh. I, I didn't know necessarily that they were fighting like this emotional thing behind the scenes of like kind of how sad or how weird it is to be yeah. in this tournament. I think everything was out of sorts this time. And hmm. and the way people, all the ceremonies prior to, yeah. the way the Sumo Association probably had to keep a distance. They didn't see the faces that they normally see. Oh. And that made them cry. That made them be so disconnected. So he he looked down and he wiped his eyes after saying, I'm proud of all the wrestlers and members of the association. Oh, see, yeah. he's a sensitive guy. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's a sensitive, strong man. He was also <laughs> asked about, yes, he was also asked about the tension. And he said that was the scariest thing, the invisible things. When when will it come in that sense? And he was relieved now that, that it's over, but that's the same thing that they meet tomorrow. He was also asked about Asanoyama yeah. and him possibly being his successor. And he kind of tipped his hat at Asanoyama having the power to do that. From where he is and to where he has to go, it's going to be a mental game, and it's going to be very difficult from now on for him. But uh, he, if he can exceed the mental strength and experience to, the, to do that, he will possibly one day be a Yokozuna. Oh, so nice. I thought that was nice, too. Yeah, that's super nice. Yeah. And then it went on, blah, 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 after I that. bet it is a mental strain to be in Ozeki and to have all the pressure of having to win so often everybody wants to beat you as an Ozeki. And then as a Yokozuna, everybody wants to beat you there. And you better win. Right. And just the expectation of who you are and, and what you have to come into every tournament with. It's mm -hmm. Absolute excellence. That's, that's, that's got to be hard. Yeah. Anyway, there's no tour in April. Hakaho is going to rest slowly now. And I imagine all the other wrestlers will hopefully have a good amount of rest coming their way. So the next tournament, maybe they'll all be healthy. Maybe my sweet, sweet baby Takayasu, I my hope boyfriend. He's back. I hope so too. If not, I'm prepared to elect a new Takayasu, <laughs> and it may be Asanoyama. Oh, that would be a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. But there's some other really handsome ricochet to choose from, too. Yeah. Well, if it's just on looks alone, I'd feel really like that. That wouldn't be right. How about if it's on buns? Well, then that would be Ishiura. Yes, he would win hands down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how to choose your next winner. On athleticism, on or speed, buns. or buns, <laughs> or hair, or what? Our last segment today comes inspired by our listeners. It's just a little Q&A. And we have a question from listener Carol Bush from Fort Collins, Colorado. And she asks, what are the stables all about? 
you guys talk about stables. How does one become part of a stable? Is it a physical compound where they live 24 seven? Do they get to have a relationship while there? She had a bunch of questions. So I thought I'd kind of sum up what that is. And that's a great question. A sumo stable is called a heiau or in Japanese, a sumo beya. It is a place where the sumo wrestlers live, eat and train. And they have very strict rules to live and train by, but they do everything together with the exception of the higher ranked wrestlers and the sekitori, which are the top two ranks. They're allowed to marry and live off site, but uh, still they do much of their activities in their lives inside the stable on a daily basis. Young guys come in to the Baya somewhere around 15 or 16, and they basically live, sleep uh, all in one room. Uh, the Jurio get their own room. So the sumo stable each has an elder or a sumo coach and they also live there with them i think and they train and they're sort of like a father figure some are kind some are stern so a decision at 15 though to determine where you're going to be is a forever choice meaning they're never allowed to switch to another stable they either just have to retire if they don't like their stable or they stick it out that's an amazing decision to have to make it at age 15. Mm -hmm. I think so too. They have a strict schedule and apparently it's a heaven or hell kind of situation where if you're low ranked, it's kind of hell. You end up kind of waiting on the upper ranked wrestlers that are also in the stable. You eat last, you shower last. It's like a monastery, sort of. One thing that I also found interesting in my research of this is that when you, whenever you become a sumo wrestler, you start to dress in the yukata. The lower-ranked wrestlers get the regular cotton robe, but they start having their hair done in the top knot all the time. They're dressed traditionally. You won't see them out in the wild in their shorts frequently. Out in you the know? wild, yeah. Out in the wild. And I do remember that on the subway in Tokyo when I would be going to work, occasionally I'd see these really big guys in yukatas and I'd be like, oh, well, I must be a sumo wrestler. That's and cool. obvi it's obvious they're huge. Yeah. And amongst the masses of Japanese people who are tiny, they really stick out, but they have their own traditional dress. They kind of give up their old life once they join a stable. Kisino Sato said after he retired, he, A, signed up for driving lessons. So he's currently taking driving lessons with, the, with a bunch of 16-year-olds because they're them. not allowed to drive mm -hmm. if you're a sumo wrestler. But also he has all these suits that he's wearing now and he's wearing them and he's like commenting about what they feel like and why they're, you know, he's like, I've not really worn a lot of these. Like he just, he was like, why do they have buttons? Like, why are there cufflinks? It, it, it was kind of cute. It was like this for, you know, this like grown man who had never worn a suit and figuring out for the first time what a suit feels like. Yeah. So I thought that was He spent his life in a mawashi or a robe, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So that's a little bit about the life inside the sumo stable. Hopefully we answered your questions for you, Carol. Thank you. <laughs> Please always write to us and give us your questions we will we will do our best to f to find out the answers yes absolutely that is our style of sumo, sumo today at sumo, sumo kaboom. kaboom join us online or on the socials comment tell your friends about us ask us anything about sumo we'll do our best to get down to the bottom of it or find an expert who can so until later i am laurie and i'm leslie of, of sumo, sumo kaboom. kaboom thanks for listening sayonara see y'all later <laughs>